Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. The economic outlook for 2023 is what I want to talk about today. Now, the economic outlook for 2023 is looking rather bleak. We've still got the war in Ukraine, which has driven energy prices sky high, disrupted food supply in the form of grain and other commodities, reduced the amount of fertilizer available to grow food, so food industry has taken a hit. It's reduced the amount of steel available also. And there are some important metals that aren't moving either. So, all in all, the impact of the war in Ukraine, Russia's war in Ukraine, has been a very significant driver of cost. Approximately half or more of the amount of inflation that we see in the economies in the United States, Europe and other parts of the globe are a consequence of that war in Ukraine. We've also had disruptions from COVID-19 and they still continue. Although China is lifting its zero tolerance policy, getting rid of that and getting people back to work, it's likely that because of the increased spread of COVID in China, where the population hasn't been exposed to COVID as widely as it is now, because of the lockdown policies, will have quite a devastating effect on the numbers that get COVID and maybe die from COVID. So that will also have an effect on the world economy. Many economists have forecast a deep and biting recession for 2023. And that's despite the price of shipping transport falling and container boxes falling in price from previous highs. But that's because demand is also falling. And as demand falls for that particular transport, so too will prices come down. Inflation is currently around 10% that expects to fall during 2023, as the recession takes hold. Supply chains, of course, will have to adapt to the changing market conditions, as always. But some of those changes will mean nearshoring, looking at production hubs closer to the market, shortening the supply chains to mitigate risk, and perhaps onshoring, in some cases, taking back control of the time and cost of products, rather than leaving them in the global supply chains where disruption could occur. And that's especially the case where customers are a priority. So that will happen in some supply chains and not others. Usually where there's time dependency and a greater need to satisfy customer demand in a more tailored way. Interest rates will probably continue to rise, but not as fast as they did at the latter end of 2022. So they'll probably stabilise more with one or two percentage points either way as the banks, the central banks and the Federal Reserve gain control of inflation through monetary policies. Many businesses will return to focus on core activity and they will seek ways to cut cost in a fight against inflation. And as they do so, of course, this retrenchment might have the impact of not just low growth, 
but falling revenue. And falling revenue is a worry for many firms because not only does it mean that you've got falling sales revenue, but you've got falling cash flows. And that will have an impact on companies having to be more careful to manage those cash flows so that they can stay afloat. So there are some tough times, I think, ahead in the 2023. And firms will need to be careful to focus attention on the customer, the cash and the cost. Of course, as well as the threats faced by many businesses, for some, it will mean opportunities. And if you happen to be a business that's cash rich and you stay vigilant, it may be an opportunity for you to invest in the marketplace, to acquire brands that have had a worse time because of those problems we just talked about, falling revenue and falling cash flow. So mergers and acquisitions might be back on the table as more successful brands take over some of those businesses that are not so successful. Also, those businesses that don't adjust to the conditions, those changes that are happening around them, might continue in a way that, to maintain resilience, they invest in more inventory. And that could be costly, because if they invent, if they invest in inventories and require additional warehousing space, but the revenue's falling, then it doesn't take long to actually drain the cash away and turn profit into loss. The key to all this, of course, is to know your customer, know your market, and stay focused on what the customer wants and don't overcommit resources while conditions are so volatile. So I expect 2023 to be a highly volatile year and many businesses may not see through 2023. The other thing that will be happening on the horizon, of course, as demand falls, the demand for labour will also fall. And so we could see an increase in unemployment in some parts of the world as that demand falls and recession takes hold. And once that begins to happen, of course, it's a downward spiral because it means that there's not enough money circulating in the economy to keep products circulating, to keep people in work. And it could have an impact much wider than those immediately affected by the situation. So dismal all in all. It was Thomas Carlyle who called economics the dismal science. And that's nothing to do with economics itself, but it's to do with the outcomes that happen from economic situations. So we're reporting some right now. So don't blame the messenger. It's simply that uh, we need to understand what's going on so that we can do our best for our own businesses to maintain some semblance of normality through these difficult times. If you operate in consumer markets, I think you're probably going to be more badly affected than those in business-to-business markets. In business-to-business markets, the demand is probably going to remain higher than those in consumer markets. If you look at food prices, they've risen anywhere between 10 and 20% in the past year, depending on the product. And if you consider what consumers are spending their income on, then a greater proportion is now being spent on energy cost and simply food. So those two things alone are taking quite a big chunk of a person's individual wage. And that's why we have strikes, of course, increasing in the United Kingdom. There are strikes in rail transport, in borders, force, in the civil service departments, in the public sector, in the National Health Service, in 
universities and in many other sectors as the pressure being applied through inflation on consumer incomes is forcing people to try and increase the wage. So that's having a damaging effect on services and on goods supply. And unless the government does something and responds in a more adequate way than it currently is, then that's likely to get worse. But they don't seem to care much about it at the moment. It serves their purpose, I think. The one thing that's troubling for many businesses, of course, is how much the costs will stick at the higher levels. Will energy, for example, stick at this much higher level of cost beyond the immediate problem? And if it does, how will businesses be able to readjust and reposition in the marketplace? Well, we can only guess because we don't really know. But if we look back to previous inflationary times, there's a cost restructuring that takes place and some businesses fall out of the market and new entrants come in with a different view of the market with a different cost base. So we'll have to see how it all plays out. But the one thing that's reasonably certain, I think, is that it's going to be painful for many consumer businesses. And supply chains are not necessarily going to be the same as they were in the past. They're going to need some rebalancing, restructuring, refocusing to serve the customers of the future. Britain's exit from the European Union is still having an impact also. And that's unlikely to diminish in 2023. It's likely that many of the problems that haven't been resolved properly by the UK government, such as the Northern Irish Protocol, and indeed all the additional friction placed on businesses importing and exporting to Europe, has not gone away. And that friction is likely to continue. And that's all adding to the cost of business. And of course, it adds to the cost of consumer lives. It's worsened the conditions for consumers. I saw a poll the other day that said 25% or more of those people that voted for leave in 2016 would not vote to leave today. And this isn't just people who are labelled remoners. These are people that voted for Brexit. So, and those labels are silly anyway, because it's about doing the right thing for the economy. And unfortunately, the government hasn't done the right thing for the economy or for the people in the country. And there was a poll recently by John Curtis about the future of the Conservative Party as a leading party, as a governing party in the United Kingdom. And he's usually fairly measured and accurate in what he says. And he says that uh, the Conservatives are very unlikely to be voted back into power. And even some of the Conservative Party members themselves who are leaving the political positions are also in doubt as to whether the Conservative Party will win another term in government. And the question is, do they deserve to? The problem for any incoming governments, of course, would be the economy and stabilising that economy initially and getting it back on a footing to grow the economy. Because the only way to beat inflation in the medium term is to stimulate growth in the economy so that inflation doesn't have such a damaging effect. Now, for individual businesses, of course, faced with these sets of economic conditions, what can they do? Well, they really need to take a health check. They really need to look carefully inside their own business and ask themselves questions. And the sort of questions I'd be asking, what I would need to manage in any business that I was looking at, I'd be saying, 
What do my forward orders look like? What's my cash flow position looking like? What's my forecast revenue position looking like? How sensitive is my cash flow and profitability to falls in sales? And will the suppliers I have be able to maintain supply throughout the year? What happens if some of those suppliers fall out of the market? Are we covered elsewhere? Have we mitigated our risk? Do we need to look perhaps at getting some more suppliers in place, sourcing from different places and having suppliers who are on standby or in line to take over if someone falls out? And can I ensure quality and service to our customers? And indeed, will our customers be able to maintain the relationship with us in the coming year in the same way as they have in past years? So I'd be looking at the vulnerabilities in the business. And I think that's always an important thing to look at, to look at the vulnerabilities and measure the impact of what those vulnerabilities might be on profit and loss, cash flow, and on the balance sheet. How is it going to impact the balance sheet? And of course, the biggest cost that you can look at on your balance sheet for many businesses is probably going to be the inventory. So you're going to have to look very carefully at the inventory levels being held by the business. I'd also be looking at every aspect of cost where I could reduce that cost, lower cost levels. Now, people haven't had to concern themselves with this aspect of business as much as they should right now. Yes, they might have looked at cost, but you now really need to look very, very hard at cost because there might be things that you're spending on that you could reduce without having any impact at all on your business. And those will be the first things that you'll have to cut. I did read a very interesting story about one business in the north of England that's reorganising its energy. And essentially what it's doing is creating its own energy rather than taking energy from the grid, but creating energy from wind sources and solar power. And if it's able to do that, it can reduce its cost from grid power, which it would buy like anybody else in the market, by around 50%. So that's really significant. That's 50% of today's price. I expect we might see more innovation in 2023 as it becomes clear that energy costs are not going to fall as much as they should anytime soon. So that would be one good outcome from an otherwise disastrous situation. Well, in summary, I suppose we're going to have a steadying of inflation. So that's one good thing. That's on the plus side. We are likely to still have high energy costs continuing throughout 2023. We are likely to still have other costs increasing as costs come through the pipeline. We're likely to see food prices increase because of shortages and supply not maintained in the normal ways. We're likely to see the impact of COVID continue to threaten world markets. And we're likely to see the war in Russia, continue in its attritional approach. So, not a great deal of good news, I'm afraid, but we're resilient, aren't we? So, we'll come through this. And of course, we'll remember. We'll remember. Well, that's it for this week, and I hope you've, well, not necessarily enjoyed the programme, but I hope you've uh, gleaned something from the programme, and I wish you and everybody else a better 23 than I forecast here. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.
The Chain Reaction Podcast is presented, written, and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. Now we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.